welcome everybody to Flickr Effect, episode 320. This is being recorded and broadcasted live on Sunday, January 12th, 2020. I'm David Lott. Joining me this episode is Bobby Jackson. Hey, what's up? It's that time of the year. It is that time. And Michelle Hillard is here. Hello. Hello, everyone. It is a bummer, we must say, that Yasha could not join us for this. I think it's the first time we couldn't have everybody on for a top 10 show. But Yeah, I think uh, so. It, it could not be... It, it, it could not happen. Sometimes it just is what it is. Life happens. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, he couldn't be here. Uh, we'll be sharing his top 10 lists at a later time. I know he's got one put together, but uh, unfortunately, he won't be here to share it with us on this episode. But we are all going to do that because, yeah, this is our special episode that we do every year. We're going to be talking about our top 10 films of 2019. Uh, and we're going to get into it pretty quickly here. Uh, just a, yeah, going to go over a couple things before we get into it. Um, first, uh, for those of you who are new or newer to the podcast, and maybe you've never heard one of our top 10 shows before, uh, you might think based on the title that we're just as a collective group going to list out our, what we think are the top 10 films of the year. That's not quite what we're doing. We actually each have our own list. Mm-hmm. We're going to go through each of our lists uh, kind of in order. We'll each go our number 10s and then our number 9s and so on and so on. Um, We haven't shared our list with each other before the show started. Makes it exciting. It makes it it a little more fun. It does. Because there's definitely been times when somebody will say something and I'm like, you put that at 9 and not at 3? Are you crazy? I've been like, (laughs) how did that even manage to be on your list? It makes it a little more interesting for me trying to play clips of... uh, of movies as we do this live, but uh, yeah, that's that's basically what's uh, what's happening. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know. That's that's basically it. We're not going to talk about any spoilers. Mm-hmm. We uh, I always like to point out that um, we. You know, we, we see a lot of movies. This we, we do a podcast on film and television, but we're, we're, this isn't our full-time job. We don't see everything. So if you're listening to our list and you're going, how did you not put this here? And how did you not list this at all? And blah, 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 blah. Hey, we, maybe we didn't see it. So after we do our list, I always like to, after I've gone through it, kind of point out maybe some of the bigger films that are coming up in a lot of uh, either you know, award categories or other people's top 10 lists that I wish I could have seen and I just didn't get to see. So we'll point that out. Um, I wrote down my list of what I did not see and it is long. That's a nice list. It's long. I was like, wow. I've got like, I've got like five films on my list and I know there's a lot of other stuff. you You literally have, it looks like at least 15, 20 films on there. Yeah. Of all the movies that I wish I could have seen. And it's just, it's just it is what it is. It's life. You can't see every single movie that comes out. Right, right. Um, but yeah, with that, uh, unless you guys have anything, um, the as always, we use the Bowl of Destiny to figure out an order for this before we, you know, got into it. And uh, Bobby, it chose your name first. Whoop yep. whoop whoop! Bobby's up. Bobby's up. So before you give us our number, your number ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of 2020 all the, you know, in general, in terms of film, 2019, 2019, sorry, we were in 2020. Yes. 2019. 
for me, it was a, a really good year of film. It started off, uh, I think, with the normal pacing of, of movies where the early months are, are a little bit slow. But then you get to summer and there's um, the tent poles and the blockbusters. And I enjoyed a good amount of the blockbusters that came out this year. But ultimately what happened was the end of the year in the fall season is when all the mass amount of Oscar potential movies started coming out. And that's when it really started to pick up for me. In the beginning, when we started the show, you said that we don't get to see all the movies. And I really feel like there's not much I didn't see. Um, if there's something I'm forgetting, it's not for lack of um, um, ability to see it. It's just maybe I, I, I couldn't quite remember that it was a thing because there might be one or two like that. But for the most part, I don't think I missed anything. So uh, if you don't hear me name something on my list, it's not because I didn't probably see it. It's just probably because there was obviously 10 other movies that I, that connected with me um, more than those other movies. And they may pop up on my honorable mentions or just I would have I, we, we would be here until next week's podcast if I listed all the movies that I enjoyed from this year that I got a chance to see. So had to dwindle it down to 10 and, and it was difficult more so this year than in past years because of the amount of movies I did really enjoy this year. And so uh, making that top 10 was pretty hard. Yeah. So you're the exception. I, I should correct, make a correction. You have seen everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Michelle and I have not quite seen everything. <laughs> but uh, with that, uh, your number 10 film of 2019. My number 10 was very hard to actually come about. As I mentioned before, that I had a hard time getting into the top 10 because there were so many movies. So, Making that 10th spot meant that a lot of other movies weren't going to be on the list. So I wrestled with this one quite a bit. I think I had a couple different movies in there and then just kept coming back to one particular movie that wasn't in my top 10, but it was in the honorable mentions. And because I kept coming back to it and it was because of the way that movie made me feel. And so my number 10 for 2019 is Waves. And I spoke about this film a little bit earlier when I saw it. It didn't come out all that long ago. And um, the the main star of it is Kelvin Harrison Jr. along with uh, Taylor Russell. And I guess the person most people might know from the movie is Sterling K. Brown. And Sterling K. Brown plays the father, the patriarch of this family. And he himself is a bit of a perfectionist and he expects the best from his kids. And because of that, he, while he loves his kids, he's, he's so focused on them being a good representation of, uh, of an African American person, but not just that, but just in, in, per, in terms of, um, them exceeding and excelling in his eyes of what they should be as people. And because of that, it puts pressure on these kids and you get to see how they respond to that within the movie. And there's a different response basically based on the son and then the, the daughter. And the movie starts essentially focusing on the son 
And then in the second half of the movie, it really kind of focuses on the daughter. And a lot of the things that the movie did was so strong in terms of the, the, the narrative of what these kids were going through and what ends up happening that it just threw me for a loop. And it's something that I continuously think about of some of the things that happened in the movie. And that's why it ended up making my number 10. Very nice. Waves, you're number 10. Michelle, the bowl chose you next. Next. You're next. Uh, in general, your thoughts on 2019? So 2019, um, it's interesting because I feel like for me this year, there was a lot of really good movies, a lot of really, you know, high bar films. But I will say as far as great films go, it was just a small handful. Um, and there's definitely been a few years where there's been a lot of really great films that come out in one year. And I've had to like, I've had a really hard time doing my top three or my top five films. Cause I'm like, mother, there's so many, they're so amazing. Um, but this year I don't feel like there was anything that was just, there, there wasn't a plethora of just like outstanding, like, Oh my gosh, how am I ever going to choose? Like, you know, there was no Sophie's choice this year. I was kind of like, no, there's really just a few that I think are considered great films and my list I threw together actually pretty quickly didn't didn't I have to overthink too much honestly um and then I think the other thing about 2019 that surprises me is that um the quality of the films that we're getting from streaming services um from Netflix from Amazon I think they've really stepped up their games and um, I think coming soon, Disney Plus's films are going to start pushing more the envelope as well, what we're going to see on their streaming service. So I think I think that was kind of one of the surprising takeaways this year for me was that, you know, streaming services are making some really excellent, amazing films. And honestly, all you have to do is look at the award ceremonies, the Golden Globes we just had, you know, how many films were nominated that came out of Netflix, for Christ's sakes. Like, it was it was insane. Anyways, um, so yeah, that's that's my takeaway for 2019. And I will, I will apologize. It's going to be a rough like hour or two with my voice. <laughs> I'm overcoming the plague. Um, I wish I had a cool, like raspy, sexy voice, um, but I don't. It just sounds sick. So <laughs> You're fine. Stay, stay with me, people. Stay with me. But um, yeah, 2019 was good, but not great or excellent. All right. Well, with that, your number 10 film of the year. My number 10 film of the year, and um, it came out really early in the year, too, um, and I was excited for this film. I was looking forward to it, and in my opinion, it did not disappoint. Um, I think the writing in it is ingenious, and I think that the um, the delivery of the cast of their performances was, was really exceptional, and I think that it was a film that I think speaks to... Um, Everyone, but definitely a good demographic. 50% of the population, I think, really um, can can uh, understand this the, the feelings that the, the main characters are going through. So my number 10 for 2019 is Booksmart. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Let's go to Nick's party. Are you kidding? No, no way. Hey, we only have one night left to have studied and partied in high school. Otherwise... We're just going to be the girls that missed out. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Okay. We've broken a lot of rules. One, 
We have fake IDs. Fake college IDs so we can get into their 24-hour library. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. That's, he broke art rules. Name a person who broke a real rule. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. So yeah, um, you know, it's it's a couple years after. Now my, my mind just blanked that other comedy uh, uh, about high school graduation and the guys. Are you talking about... Uh, Super bad? Yes, thank you. God, uh, like everybody kind of put this as like the female incarnation of super bad, and, and, and in a lot of ways, it really kind of is. But I feel like it really kind of speaks to to girls, and I think it's really an honest reflection of um, a majority of how girls are and how they are kind of basically behind the curtain. I feel like you know, I don't think that people are fake, but I think that especially at that age, girls you know, kind of hide their true selves and they're only their real self when they're with their best friends. And watching this film, I feel like you get to see kind of behind that curtain where you get to see these girls stripped down and they're just being real. They're just being themselves. They're, they're no holds bars when they're together. They just say what they're thinking out loud. And, and I think that's the best portrayal, I think, of, of females, um, females, especially in that, di- that, that age demographic. I think it's really uh, honest. And, and the movie's hilarious. The writing is really great. And, um, yeah, I think Olivia Wilde did a really great job for her first major film like this. Very nice. Book smart. You were number 10. I'm number 10. I guess that leaves me. Uh, first, as for the whole year, um, you know, it's weird because I feel, you know, we all have examples of movies that, you know, we, we see and it seems like maybe everybody and their mom loves this movie. It's getting a lot of praise from critics or fans and then you're you're standing there going man what's wrong with me i didn't think it was good at all and we all have that that happens i feel like in 2019 though for me (laughs) (laughs) it it was like an ongoing theme like more than ever there i have at least i have at least right now on my list at least uh what is it six films i can think of that fall kind of into that category at varying degrees and I feel like I'm even forgetting some, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm looking at six films here. I'm going to talk about later that I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And that was happening a lot. You know, I, I, I remember we had this conversation on the podcast in the middle of the summer, I think, where I was, especially because at the time I was mostly only seeing like one movie a week and it was like kind of the big release of the weekend. So not really a lot of indie and smaller films. And I was in the middle of the summer going, my God, this, I feel like I'm seeing a movie, every movie, I'm, every week I'm going to the movie theater and going, ugh, like, that was not good. And it was really bumming me out. I, and I was starting to wonder too, when it came to some of these films that was, ge- was getting so much praise, I was like, is there something wrong with me? Like, <laughs> should I hang it up when it comes to talking about movies? Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just not into this anymore because I'm not liking anything. You're becoming <laughs> cynical in your I age, guess, baby. yeah, like. So I don't know. I feel like that's the big theme for me for the year is looking at these, all these movies that I'm, some of them are like, these are good movies, just not that good. And then there's one or two where I'm like, no, this is one where you're, I think everyone's insane. You know, I've got one or two on the list that are like that, but that's kind of my general thoughts for 2019. My biggest takeaway, uh, my number 10 film of the year is, uh, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, that was a movie we saw relatively recently. And 
as I talked about, it, I wasn't even necessarily in the mood to see a movie that day. Yeah, we saw it on Black Friday, that's yeah. right. And I walked out going, I'm so happy we, we saw that movie. Like, I, I was worried it was gonna be uh, kind of a more traditional biopic, and that's always my skepticism with any type of quote-unquote biopic, is that it's just such a formula that I get kind of tired of in most of those films. This movie is totally not like that. In fact, uh, Fred Rogers is not your main character in that film. And uh, the movie, it also is kind of breaking the fourth wall with the audience in the way it's trying to affect you. It's hard to explain if you haven't seen it. But I, I don't know. Just overall, I, I, I walked out very happy. I... I remember you said to Michelle when we walked out, it's like now I automatically want to like show my kids the entire like <laughs> catalog, <laughs> the catalog of-, of that show, you know, like it, it just makes you want to be a better person after watching that movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed A Beautiful Day in, in the Neighborhood. That's my number 10 film of the year. Nice. I'm surprised. I mean, I'm happy, but I'm not. It's, it's good. All right. Moving on to our number nine. Bobby, your number nine film. My number nine film is one that I believe a lot of people just really love this movie out the out the gate. And, well, I should say a lot of critics loved it out the gate because of it being such a different type of film and the way it had this so- social commentary. And I think that I, it was a a breath of fresh air in terms of some of the movies that we had typically been getting. And it was one of the first ones I feel like really started to have people say, okay, this is not only an awards contender, but it's also one of those movies that helps solidify this um, director slash writers, essentially his catalog. And the movie I'm talking about for my number nine is Parasite. Now, a lot of people, and this movie just won Golden Globe Awards for Best Foreign Film. And uh, the director, as I mentioned, is Bong Joon-ho, who I feel like has done such good movies that a lot of people have talked about, but not necessarily have all already seen. Um, one of his movies that I know David loved that we watched was uh, Snowpiercer. And there was also um, a movie he had just did recently for Netflix, which was Okja, that I also liked. And then another one that he had did that I still to this day is one of my favorites that he had did, um, which was my initial introduction to him, really, which was The Host. And he always makes such thoughtful movies in terms of they, they're not just what they seem like on the surface, and that's what I felt like Parasite was. If you were to just read the description of the movie, it's it seems like it's about these lower class people that are trying to move up in the world in whatever way they can and, and claw their way to that top. But there's so much more that happens in this movie and the di- different twists and turns it takes you on and surprises and, and genu- generally um, shocking moments. And I, I just think that it's all handled so well. And it's seeing um, this thing where it's now in that conversation where there's like 
you should see more foreign films and not be afraid of the subtitles. And this is, I think, one of those perfect examples, at least of this year or this past year, that personifies that, that you, if you give yourself that opportunity to uh, be exposed to something that might have subtitles, you'll be in for some unique and, and very different storytelling. And so much so that Unfortunately, I don't know how it'll go, but they are talking about a Parasite uh, miniseries, I think, for HBO. Yeah, I saw that with, too. Yeah, with Bong Joon-ho attached to it and Adam McKay. Right. So I don't know if they said it would be like a continuation of this story or if they're just straight up remaking it for American audiences. But um, that does speak to the power of this movie. And uh, like I said, it's definitely one of those critical darlings of the last year and i'm sure we'll hear more about it at the oscars but that's my number nine parasite your number nine i think that one's it's on a lot of people's lists this year and it's one of those things like it's a foreign film so we can't have a clip for it it would just be korean speak so people listen to korean would understand what, what's happening in the clip but you know but it's it's gonna be a I think, yeah, I feel like that's the one film that's been on everybody's list. That's funny. When I was pulling clips, part of me was like, isn't there a moment here, too, where they do, there's some English spoken for some reason? And I was oh, like, maybe yeah. I could find a clip, but I was like, ah, no, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, it would be, you'd be hunting. Right. All right. With that, Michelle, you're number nine. Um, my number nine, I will say it's actually, it's a film that surprised me. It surprised me as a whole, and it surprised me that, you know, when I was doing my list, I was like, you know what? This, this bad boy's going on here. Um, but my number nine is The King. Mm. What say you? Are you scared, young Henri? What say you? Are you scared of this battle? There's no shame of it. Save your men. You save your own men. You came here to me. Surrender to me. I cannot do that. Well then, boy, let us make famous that field out there, this little village of Agincourt that will forever mark the sight of your gallow disgrace. Um, so yeah, this is a film that came out on Netflix and it's a film that I was interested in seeing. I thought it looked really, you know, good, but I'll say like, as I was watching this film that, that night at home, I was like, this is excellent. Like this is really well done and it's really well written. And Timothy Chalamet, gosh, dang it. That kid is just, he kills me. The boy is, he's on fire this year the past two years I would say and um he's just one of those up-and-coming actors that I feel like he he gets better and better with every role I see him in and this was this was exceptional work from him and um what's his name um Joel Edgerton's in it too and he did, he's really good too he's always really good I will say I, I really enjoy his work but and he's one of the writers of this film Joel Edgerton yeah. is, and yeah it's I don't know it's it's one of those films like you watch it and the color palette is very dark through most of the film, but it's shot spectacularly well. And honestly, I mean, it's not really a spoiler because this is based on historical facts. Like the whole battle at that field, which we just played the clip from, mm-hmm. that battle scene was 
amazing to watch. It was like watching a Game of Thrones episode. It was it was intense and it was it was just really good. But no, the story, the acting, start to end, this film was surprising in so many great ways. I was really happy with it. I wanted more. I remember it ended and I was like, I want more. I want more. I want more of this. Yeah, I remember what the length. Yeah, it was a fairly long movie, wasn't it? Was it two hours. And I re- remember when it ended being like, oh, wow, it's over. Oh. It was quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it's a, it's a longer film, but it went by so so fast. I felt like and it just ended and I just went, well, I want, I want more. Is there another one? What's happening here? Like it was, right. I was kind of bummed out. And that, that, that I think speaks to the film. Like it was just so good. I, I wanted more. So yeah. The King. The King at your number nine. And yeah, that's available on Netflix. If, mm-hmm. uh, if you're listening and you haven't seen it before. Uh, all right, my uh, number nine film of the year. I've always known I would marry Rich. Why should I be ashamed of that? There's nothing to be ashamed of, as long as you love him. Well, I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. Well, I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And as a woman, there's no way for me to make my own money. Not enough to earn a living or to support my family. And if I had my own money, which I don't, that money would belong to my husband the moment we got married. And if we had children, they would be his, not mine. They would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. It may not be for you, but it most certainly is for me. Uh, yeah, Little Women is my number nine film of the year. From uh, director, writer, Greta Gerwig, uh, obviously based on the book. Um, I don't recall reading that book as a child, so I'm going (laughs) to say I have not read it. And uh, amazingly enough, I don't think I've ever actually sat and from beginning to end and watched any of the uh, films of Little Women. I, I think I've seen good enough chunks of the one with, with Renona Ryder in it. One from 94. Yeah, I figured it was sometime in the 90s. That's all I got. Um, but uh, this movie, I mean, as I guess I hesitate to say it surprised me. I've heard so much acclaim for it that I'm like, you know, it's probably going to be pretty good, even if it's a movie that on its surface would not necessarily appeal to me. Um, I was interested to see it just for that reason, if anything. Um, though, I mean, looking at the cast too, I mean, it's got a great cast in it. And uh, no, the film is, I guess the best word to use, and I hear this used a lot for it, is it's delightful. It's just a nice movie. Like, all the acting in it is great. Uh, yeah, it's my understanding that uh, Greta Gerwig kind of changed up kind of the way the story is told. It's basically the same story, but also it just kind of somewhat out of order in a way is the best way to put it. And, uh, since I have no, like think nothing to base my experience on. Cause I hadn't seen it before. I was like, I, I totally understood it. And I liked the way the story was told. If anything, now that I've seen it this way, I'm like, I can't imagine it being just a linear, you know, <laughs> story and, and all the other interpretations. So, uh, no, I, I thought she did a great job. I love Lady Bird, and uh, now her, her next film, L- Little Women, I can also say I, I thought was great. So, yeah, that's my number nine film of the year. Awesome. I was curious about what your thoughts were on that one. Yeah, we uh, since we just saw it, we didn't really talk about it. <laughs> so. I feel like you and I have cranked out a lot of films, and we haven't really talked about them, so it's kind of nice to finally hear your opinions on them. <laughs> uh, 
I don't want to get a sidetrack, but you did just mention it, Michelle, that in the lead up to us doing this show, you guys had to watch a lot of movies and play a little bit of catch up. Did mm-hmm. about how many movies did you end up having to watch so in recent week or two? I will say this was not the most I've done, like no, by any means. In no, fact, no, no, this no. was a light year. This was a much lighter, crunchier. Like there's been years, and I know this is my mo at this point. <laughs> Every year, I sit down like the week before we record this episode, and I start cramming in all these movies I yeah. missed. And there's been a few years, most of the years, where I at least take like a day off work, and I just sit at home and I watch like however many movies I can fit in that day, which actually is a lot of fun because. Even if they're movies that don't fit, that, that don't make my top 10 list, if I'm watching them, it's because most people like them. So I'm sitting around watching all of these good movies and going, wow, like, it's so nice to watch so many movies that are at least decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this year that didn't happen so much. It was a lot of like watching one movie a night. <laughs> there was actually one movie that uh, I I just, my body shut down. I, I was falling asleep, not because of anything quality problems with the film i just i've been sick too and i was just dying and i ended up having to watch the movie again i watched it a second time (laughs) i was so i was so determined to fit that movie in um but anyway uh i'm curious to hear about what that one was um yeah i don't know how many but it wasn't nearly as many as in years past goodness no and I think the other issue is that there's a lot of films that we didn't see that came out towards the end of the year. So mm-hmm. basically it's either you see them in the theater or we weren't going to see them. Like there wasn't an, another way we could see them. Oh, and some years yeah. there's films that we've missed that were early enough that we could rent or purchase, you know, and stream it at home. But really a lot of them I think came out in at the end of November and in December. And it was either like, well, we need to figure out, babysitters and right you know when we're not going to a job and like, you know it, it's hard to get to the theater all the time so but no yeah it was it was it's still fun to do to see all these good films yeah it was two movies in the theaters this week mm-hmm. um and then the rest stuff at home but yeah not nearly as many as usual it's harder to get the stuff at home this year i think than usual usually we can get a lot at home but this year it just didn't work out right. Anywho. Uh, moving on to our number eight films. Bobby, your number eight film of 2019? Yes, my number eight is Judy. And this movie, it broke my heart, honestly. Uh, it, Renee Zellweger plays Judy Garland. And it, it's the story of her later on in her career. And uh, it's it's she's doing these sold-out shows in London that she really didn't want to do because she kind of had moved on past certain things in her life but she was at a point where really i mean she was just broke and she needed the money and but she wasn't in no place in her headspace uh to really be doing it but yet she had to because she needed the money so a lot of the way that the story is told shows you um essentially a, a the start of where a lot of her issues came into play, which was having to film the Wizard of Oz and and the amount of toll and, and 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 stress it put on her because I mean they were MGM was breaking all kinds of child law, labor laws and everything else. And so it really kind of informed her as a person 
And I think the strength of uh, Renee Zellweger's performance in this movie just elevates the story that much more and informed me about a person that obviously you know of, but I didn't know that part about her. And it really was a, a strong performance in this in this past year. I really, you lose seeing Renee in the role and you only can think of Judy Garland. And, and I think that's a testament to what she did with it and just kind of knocked me off my feet in terms of when I saw it and just had a, a brand new appreciation for uh, Judy Garland and uh, Renee Zellweger as well. So that's my number eight. Yeah, and Renee just won a Golden Globe for that performance mm-hmm. for that movie. That's right. And it's interesting because I feel like there's there's movies that come out and they're really great because of the writing and the the story itself, or the or people are like, you really have to see this just for the performance of this one person. And right. I think that's one of these films that could go both ways, but it sounds like it's mostly the performance of Renee Zellweger that makes this movie just such a standout. And it's one of those that I'll admit, yeah, I wish I, it was on my list to see and it just didn't happen. And, and, and I will eventually get to watch that hopefully in the next few weeks. But yeah, it sounded, sounds amazing. All right, Michelle, your number eight. My number eight is your number nine, David. It's Little Woman. I get in a passion. I get so savage. I could hurt anyone, and I'd enjoy it. You remind me of myself. But you're never angry. I'm angry nearly every day of my life. You are? I'm not patient by nature. But with nearly 40 years of effort, I'm learning to not let it get the better of me. I'll do the same then. I hope you'll do a great deal better than me. There are some natures too noble to curb and too lofty to uh, yeah, so Little Women is a book that I've read multiple times in my life. It's one of my favorites. Um, and I've seen a few different um, film uh, iterations of it. I've even seen the recent PBS version that they put out a few months ago. Actually, just earlier this year, and it was it was quite good. Um, no, uh, I think Greta Gerwig knocks it out of the park again. She um, She captures the essence of this book so well and to no surprise you know Greta really pulls out a lot of the feministic things that kind of come out of this book and the story and and the issues that women have during this time frame and even to today um some of the similar issues um and and she reflects them in such a beautiful way and the actors I think did such a spectacular job capturing each character um the, the essence of who they are and portraying them in such a wonderful way. It was just, the movie was beautiful from, from start to end. And like David was saying, you know, the way that it is, it's not a linear time frame the way the story is in the book. Um, Greta put it together in a, in a much different way. It was, it was like a, a remembrance of the events that occurred in Joe's life. And I think that was a, a really fresh and unique way to take on this film. And I really enjoyed the hell out of it. I think, um, anybody who's kind of scoffs at that and they're like, oh, well, it's just not the same. Well, no, and that's okay. <laughs> like, change is, is different and, you know, it, it's a different, different, different visual on it. And, 
And I, I really, I loved it. I loved the heck out of it. Again, Timothy Chalamet, excellent performance. Laura Dern's performance is Marmee, which it's funny because everybody always says like, oh, Marmee doesn't have a major, she's in this story, you know, and she plays a major role because she's their mother. Um, but you don't get a lot of her. You get small pieces of her. And that's what I love about Marmee is the small pieces you're getting of her shows what an incredible woman she is. And Laura Dern pu- pulls that through like the clip you just played. The, the it comes through so well and it's it's she's just molding these these people and she does a spectacular job and yeah it's just it's really good i'm super super in love with this film nice little women you're number eight uh okay yeah that's me uh my number eight is mm-hmm. i guess i don't really have a way to lead into it uh it's avengers endgame oh um yeah, I mean, even if this movie, when it comes to the Infinity Saga <laughs> films, um, even if this one has like a couple minor problems that I wish were a little different with it, it I, in fact, I, I think I liked it. I still think I like Infinity War more than I liked in game. Um, it, it, it did an amazing job of wrapping up this saga of movies this this thing that marvel studios has done which is still unbelievable to comprehend that they were able to pull this off i don't think anything like this will ever be pulled off ever again and i hope other studios don't bother trying (laughs) (laughs) uh it's just not gonna happen this is kind of a lightning in a bottle kind of thing that it just it worked and they did it and uh and I still think there's good things to come from the future of Marvel Studios, but it's not going to be like this, and that's fine. Different is good, but uh, yeah, even if there's stuff about this movie that I wish was a little different, and I, I a couple things I didn't really care for, it's still a really great film. I mean, uh, shit, the second time I saw it, emotionally, it it beat me up, and that was the second time I saw it. It was pretty sad. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I really don't have much more to say about it. Avengers Endgame, that's my number eight. Uh, Moving on to number seven, Bobby, your number seven film of the year. My number seven is Brittany Runs a Marathon. And this movie is one where it stars Jillian Bell. And my first exposure to Jillian Bell was 22 Jump Street. And she was so funny in that movie that it, it put her on my radar instantly. So I'd always check for her in different things. And if I saw that she was in something, it at least made me curious to watch it. And the, the story of this movie is uh, she is playing a character who is overweight and is essentially told she has to make some changes and lose some weight. And in, in doing so, she's inspired to uh, train to run the New York City Marathon. And the character she plays in this is this self-deprecating but somewhat um, scathing person with a personality that is quick-witted but uh, still has these insecurities about herself. And as you go with her on this journey of her uh, losing weight to try and run the marathon, you really peel back layers of her as a character and, and see what's underneath all of that, um, that, I guess, defensive mechanism that she puts up. 
and where it comes from and, and seeing that. And then there's just these other supporting cast characters that are, are great. The people that she's training with and um, the roommate that she ends up having at a house that she's staying at. There's all of these different uh, interpersonal relationships that happen and you can't help but find yourself rooting for her. Even though there's times when you just sit there and know that she's uh, essentially digging her own hole. But it's one of those inspirational stories that I think is the, on the same type of way that something like A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood makes you feel that inspirational to do good things or whatever. This kind of movie has that as well, where it, it makes you say, wow, th that's such a, a positive vibe from that movie. And yet it was entertaining, but it makes me want to go out and achieve something. And, I mean, I think for... A split second, maybe 10 seconds at the most. I was like, you know what? I want to run a marathon. And then that 10 seconds passed and I was back to just whatever. <laughs> but it did make me feel that way after watching the movie. And I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And that's on Amazon. Yep. Amazon yes. Prime. Yep. All right. Michelle, your number seven. Um, my number seven is Midsommar. So you're coming to Helsingland? I guess so, yeah. And um, we'll actually be arriving on my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, Christian says you've got this special week planned. Yeah, it's sort of a crazy nine-day festival my family's doing. Lots of pageantry, uh -huh. and special ceremonies and dressing up. That <laughs> sounds fun. It'll probably seem very silly, but it's like theater. Yeah, Christian says you're... You're from like a, a commune, right? Yeah, we're a, we're a small community. <laughs> Here, I'll show you. Oh, wow. You see what you mean about the pageantry. Whoa, who's that one? That's last year's May Queen. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, I'm very, very glad you're coming. I, I think it's very good you're coming. Um, yeah, this film is, in a way, surprising to me that it's on my list, but also me not. Too. <laughs> me three. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, it's one of those films. I mean, it's it's this it's a horror film, <laughs> um, and. I don't know. It's one of those films like watching it, you know that that's what you're going to get, but you don't know what you're going to get. And I think that's why I enjoyed it. I mean, it's one of those films that it's, God, it's shot so beautifully and um, the story unfolds so well. Um, and I say that, and I will say pretty early in the film, there's a moment you're watching the, the, them get to this location and you go, wow, there's a lot of red flags popping up all over this field. And I feel like you should be like, you know, that car was just what was that five clicks back. Okay. I'm just going to go back there. You know, there should be red flags popping up and they just kind of go with the flow. And so you're like, well, we're off to the races now, kids. But, um, I, I, I can't talk too much about this film without giving it away, but the performances again, spectacular visually just, absolutely gorgeous <clears throat> and the story itself yeah like i said just it unfolds in such a beautiful path and in a beautiful way for such a uh, unsettling uh 
uh, ideal <laughs> that's happening, that's, that's unfolding in front of you visually. But um, no, um, it's one of those films that, you know, doesn't give you nightmares, but does kind of haunt you afterwards. It's one that you think about later on. You'll just be sitting there and all of a sudden you'll think of a clip or a scene in it and you'll just kind of go, huh, God, that was kind of messed up. Okay. And it just kind of sticks with you like that. So yeah, Midsommar, that one's, that one's in there. You're number seven. That happened. And yeah, that's already our second clip with Florence Pugh, who had, a, who's, she had a good year. Good year. And she had a good year. She's got Black Widow coming up. Black Widow's coming up, yeah. Yeah, she's she's doing the thing. Doing, she's doing what the a movies. Fascinating, fascinating movie that is. Um, when did you guys see that? Because I talked about it when I saw it. And right. I had wanted you to see it just to have that conversation, but. When did you have a chance to watch it? It was sometime this week. It was in the crunch week. Ah, uh, okay. And okay. I haven't seen Hereditary from this director, so I haven't seen the... Yeah, I have, but oh. yeah, you... Yeah, I still haven't seen Hereditary. Because that was one I, I squeezed in last year, <laughs> yep. but you didn't... That was one of the ones you didn't watch with me last year. I, I really had no desire to watch Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, as both Bobby and I said, I we were both surprised and yeah even watching it i'm like i wonder what she thinks of this i know i really i will say i think i kept a pretty decent poker face on this one for a while for for yeah because i just wanted you to be surprised all right nice midsummer you're number seven uh my number seven um a movie that uh as i said when i talked about it before I'm I'm very happy for this director that this he has had the success he has had with this film, not only because I think it's a great film, but considering uh, what he had to deal with after his last film, <laughs> and that yeah. is of course *Knives Out* uh, from director Ryan Johnson. Um, I thought *Knives Out* was just a lot of fun. Um, I all of the characters, all the acting in it is just just great acting and i i just enjoyed all these characters and it was just it was just a joy to watch this murder mystery but it's told a little differently than you might expect it's not just a conventional okay let's try to figure it out by the end kind of thing that's that's the best way i'll put it without talking about spoilers but um you know he changes it up a little bit and i think that's fun and it's just a really good movie and it also has a, a good message beyond you know just that hey it's a murder mystery there's there's a little more there and that's kind of what took it over the top for me. So, yeah, Knives Out is my number seven film. Uh, number six, Bobby. What's your number six film? Oh, my number six in 2019 is John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. <laughs> and, oh, man, do I love this movie. Uh, <laughs> the John Wick franchise is so fascinating to look back on because that first movie came out and it really surprised people because they weren't really expecting much at that point from that movie. It just looked like a B movie. And at that point it seemed like, uh, Keanu was, I wouldn't say floundering in his career, but nothing was really going on. Nothing was popping at that point. And then that movie came out and then it was the talk and it was just this thing. And then, Obviously, we had the sequel, and then there's talks of spinoffs and stuff like that. But then with this John Wick Chapter 3, um, man, the action is ratcheted up to a point where it's just uh, 
one set piece to another set piece. And it just starts in such a, a way where uh, you're off to the races so fast when he's in the in this library scene and uh, he's fighting the guy with with just the book. And it, it's it's insane where the set pieces go from one to the next locale and um, having a lot of things that I love about this movie. One of the things that I really loved about it was that um, one of my other favorite movies, The Raid 2, two of the actors in that are in this movie with Keanu and facing off against him. And there's some times within the movie where uh, he he's facing off against an enemy and there's some there's some banter. There's some uh, wittiness. And I'm thinking of uh, Mark DeCosta's character. He's just this fan of John Wick because he's so John Wick is such a legendary um, hitman, essentially. And so uh, to see him fanboy out, but at the same time trying to kill him is is such a, a unique exchange. And just, again, furthering the, the mythos of John Wick and, and that world and expanding it out has me so stoked and excited for once John Wick Chapter 4 comes out. And, um, yeah, it's just great seeing Keanu in this in this role. And in the addition of Halle Berry within this one, she was awesome in it as well. Um, just this, the different things going on within this movie has been my, for sure, action go-to movie of uh, 2019 and, and of also of the last few years. So uh, that is... My number seven, or my number six. John Wick, chapter three, your number six. Michelle, your number six film of 2019. Uh, my number six, um, it's already been mentioned before, but um, it's A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, it's a film that I was really interested in seeing, and I don't really know a lot about uh, Fred Rogers' life. And, and like you said, David, he's he's not really even the main character in this story. Um <coughs> excuse me, the, the way that the story is told is through this reporter and the way that it unfolds and the way the director kind of places different ways to explain how he's feeling in the situations that he's put in and how he's going through these emotions. It's just, it's done so well that you connect so well. And, and yeah, this, this almost like breaking of the fourth wall is, but it's not, but it is, but I don't know. It's just, it, it works uh, on a level that really it really humanizes the story even more than what it already is and yeah you 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 finish this film and you just kind of want to wrap yourself up (laughs) in watching the show and fred rogers and yeah it it gives you a little bit more faith in humanity and in people and yeah it's it was a good one it was i mean i wish you i hate to be like it's the feel-good movie of the year but really i think this was one of the feel-good movies of the year and i i really liked it a lot i'm very happy with this one I, I look forward to rewatching it. Yeah. Uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Your number six. That was my number 10. Uh, I guess moving on to me and my number six film of the year. Oh, why is everybody so upset about these guys? If it was me dying on the sidewalk, you'd walk right over me. I pass you every day and you don't notice me. But these guys what because Thomas Wayne went cried about them on TV. You have a problem with Thomas Wayne. Too. Yes, I do. Have you seen what it's like out there, Murray? 
Do you ever actually leave the studio? Everybody just yells and screams at each other. Nobody's civil anymore. Nobody thinks what it's like to be the other guy. You think men like Thomas Wayne ever think what it's like to be someone like me? To be somebody but themselves, they don't. They think that we'll just sit there and take it like good little boys, that we won't werewolf and go wild. Yeah, my number six film is Joker. Uh, it's higher than I thought that would have been for you. Really? Yeah. Um, it's a movie that, you know, back when, you know, we talk about news and we know what's coming. And when we knew that this was coming, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was among the group going, uh, so it's going to be a, a movie based on a villain. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, do we need that? Is that, how's that going to work without a Batman in it? And, you know, is uh, where, where does this, where is this going to take us beyond uh, just this one film? And I was pretty skeptical of it. And, when it comes to some of that, I'm still concerned where we might go <laughs> after mm. this film, considering the insane amount of success it has seen and the way that that studio seems to just react to whatever they think is hot. Uh, but when it comes to this film, it's a great movie. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is incredibly good in it. I get that uh, it maybe pulls from some of the movies that it uh, takes inspiration from a little too closely. And I know that's been some complaints from some friends that I've talked to, but uh, that wasn't a problem for me. I really, really enjoyed this film. It is very dark. It's it's messed up. <laughs> um and yeah, if you are, I mean, if you're listening to this, you haven't seen it. I'm sure you're all already aware of that, but if for some reason you're not, yeah, this is definitely not a kid's comics book film. It's, it's extremely adult, but, uh, I, I, it's, it, it's, it's incredibly well done. It's really good. And, uh, yeah. So Joker, my number six. Uh, all right. We're moving into our top five. Halfway there. We're halfway there. Uh, wow. Seems like we're going through this quick. I don't know why it feels that way, but it, maybe because Josh is not here and we don't have that extra maybe. person on and around. Maybe. But yeah, maybe. we're flying through it. Um, speaking of flying through it, uh, my number five of 2019 is Ford vs. Ferrari. And uh, man, this movie has been called <laughs> what I find interesting, a, a dad film. And um, oh I guess gosh. I get it. Yes. I, yeah, I've heard that I, a lot. I, yeah, I guess I get it to a certain extent. But to me, this just reminds me of an old school kind of like uh, mid 90s or late 90s uh, movie that you would just see in all the Oscar ballots in terms of strong performances, that strong story. Um, it's a, it's it's a different it's I wouldn't quite classify it as a biopic, but I guess in certain way you could look at it as such. Uh, it does tell the story of uh, Carol Shelby, <clears throat> excuse me, and his driver Ken Miles, and played by Christian Bell and Matt Damon. And I think that what I found so good about this movie was the chemistry between Christian Bell and Matt Damon and their characters that they're playing. And just this story that is of this Le Mans race of essentially Ford trying to 
beat Ferrari at, at, a, at a game that Ferrari has been uh, getting the upper hand at and seeing what goes into trying to build a, a bigger, better, faster car and, and, and what it takes and, and the toll it takes on, on the driver and on the cars and, and the dangers involved. I don't know. I just think that James Mangold did a good job of capturing all of that and filming it as well. The, the, the racing scenes are, are so dynamic and just really makes you feel like you're a part of it that I just think that from top to bottom, it's just such a strong movie and I just really enjoyed it. Nice. Ford vs. Ferrari, your number five. Michelle, your number five film. My number five film, and I'll be honest, I'm a little bit bummed that we don't have a clip for it because I think it would just, it, it's just, there's so many good little sound bites from this film, and I'm just kind of bummed that we don't have a clip for it, but. I feel like I could already fill it in. <laughs> you probably could, um, and it's it's Jojo Rabbit. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I know it was a miss for David, um, on a few levels, but for me, it was exactly what I was, uh, hoping to get out of this film. And yeah, I wish we had a film, I wish we had a clip literally just to hear Taika Waititi do his, his Adolf Hitler impression. Cause it's spectacular. <laughs> um, no, it's a story about this little boy and his imaginary best friend who is Adolf Hitler because he's a little boy growing up in World War II or at the end of World War II in in Germany. And, um, you know, the story between him and, and this girl that he finds living in, in his house that he didn't know and him growing up and realizing that, you know... It, the world is is not so myopic and there's there's so much more that he needs to learn and i don't i don't know it's just it's a beautiful story um on a few levels and even just the the relationship between this little boy and his mother it's it's so good the the writing is excellent i think i think the comedy was just spot on it was almost a shame that so many of the really great jokes were shown in the trailer i wish they had kept just a few things for the audience but there were still a few more other jokes that happened that um you know that you don't see in the trailers but it's a film that yeah it's it's um it's a comedy that has a, a really strong message and yeah i i I think Taika really did a great job with this film. I'm really, really happy with it. And I, I would like to watch it again. I'm looking forward to that moment because, yeah, I don't know. I, I It makes me happy, this film. So that's my number five. Jojo Rabbit, your number five. Uh, my number five film of 2019. Danny? Oh, I'm really sorry, Pele. Thank you for inviting me, but I, I really have to go. Can someone maybe drive I, I me I know I shouldn't have left you stay for that. I, I mean, I know it looks extreme, but we... I don't only... know why I'm here, Pele. I don't know why you invited us. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't okay, know okay, why I'm okay, here. Okay, okay. I don't know, okay. and I can't... Come on. No. Come on, sit down, Danny. Danny, please. Mm. Please sit down. Danny. <laughs> I invited my friends because this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing and I wanted to share it, especially with my friends who I knew would appreciate it, because I, I am proud of okay, this place. Okay, okay, but I'm not an anthropologist and I don't understand any of this. Yes, yes, I don't yes, get... I know, I know, and, and yet I was the most excited for you to come. Uh, yeah, Midsommar is my number five. Uh, what was that at yours? Number seven for you, Michelle? Yeah. Um, and we both just watched this this week. 
uh, yeah, um, I had seen Hereditary. And yes, you can see that this is the same filmmaker, but it is a, it's a very different film. Um, and yeah, it's a horror film, but it's not a conventional horror film. And it's, it's out in the sunlight kind of horror film and it's a breakup movie. (laughs) It is a breakup movie. It's a breakup movie in the end. And, uh, it's, I found it fascinating. I, I also, I mean, I love a film. I want a film to tell a good story, but I also love, I love visual directors and he is a very visual director. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. It just every shot after shot, you can you can tell he's the kind of director that everything looks exactly as he intended it to look like it. It just looks so good. And um, could you imagine his storyboarding room? No. Oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I I it, it, I found the film fascinating and just really enjoyed just watching it. Plus, the story was interesting. I mean, I didn't know a lot about it. I I had seen trailers, but you know, it doesn't. I didn't really kind of know what was going on here, and I I was also just fascinated just based on the visuals of the images I had seen from the film before I saw it, and I'm like, and this is a horror film. Like, what is this is. <laughs> Like, and people are really like, seriously, like it's almost disturbing kind of situation. I'm like, man, I got to see this. And I, I'm, I, I'm bummed. It took me so long to watch it, but, uh, I finally did this week. I'm really happy. I did. Uh, yeah. Midsommar, my number, my number five. So now I know that there is a director's extended cut that's out there. There is. But from what I understand, it's only available through Apple plus. Yeah, is that correct? Uh, it's well. So the funny thing is, is this is one of those deals. I go and I I watch most of my movies rental or per, if I digitally purchase movies, I have an Apple TV, and I usually do it through iTunes, Apple, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and this was one of those situations where when I went to buy it or went to rent it, it was only like seven bucks to buy it. It was on sale, so I hadn't even watched it. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna buy it. And yeah, you are right. I, I we watched the regular cut, and then I noticed in the extras that yeah, there is a director's cut in there. So I'll watch it again. I'd love to see that. That's gonna yeah. have to happen. It's gonna have to happen. Yeah. yeah. You wait till the midsummer to watch it. <laughs> we should celebrate midsummer and watch this film. We should wait till the summer solstice. Yes. Uh, nice. <laughs> this will be our annual summer solstice <laughs> film. Longest day of the year. Let's put this bad boy on. Let's do this. Just a real quick <laughs> shout out too in that movie to uh, Will Poulter. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's something. He always amazes me in anything he's in. Right. Yeah. All right. Moving on to number four, Bobby. Your number four film of the year. My number four is Dolomite is my name. We want this thing to be raw. Tell it like it is on the streets. Yeah, lots of pimps and hoes and cussing. And kung fu and karate. Brothers love all that kung fu and karate. Do you know karate? No, but I'm a fast learner. I can learn how to chop me a mother. You know what we should have? An all-girl kung fu army. Um, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of story opportunity, Rudy. Across this nation, inner cities are being plagued by violent crime. I, I, I feel the government hasn't stepped up. That's it. It's White's fault. The mayor's corrupt, and there's an exorcism. God damn it, an exorcism? Yeah, you know all that whole mother in hell. Um, I don't know how that fits into our urban uh, motif. 
I laugh at that clip. I haven't even seen this movie yet. <laughs> I know. I was, we were sitting here <laughs> laughing at it. Yeah, man. This movie is very funny. Um, and it almost should have been just called Welcome Back, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> this really did so much in terms of putting him back in the forefront for people. And what a great way for it to have been um, seen because – it, it did have a limited theater release, but this was specifically for Netflix. And the fact that it was there means so many more eyes could watch it and, and be acclimated back to what Eddie Murphy is good at and doing comedy. And in this movie, he's paying his respects to a, and his and doing an homage to Rudy Ray Moore, who was this uh, entrepreneur, essentially, in his time of trying to... Uh, do what he wanted to do, which was comedy, but then also he wanted to act. And he sort of essentially manifested these things for himself because every time he turned around, somebody was telling him, no, and you're no good, or you don't even look like a leading actor. So there's no way. So, But he just refused to take no for an answer. So I think the movie has such a positive message to it, but beyond that as well, and just the, the meta uh, reading of it is it's also a comeback story for Eddie Murphy and now seeing him do this uh, with the director that he had in this movie which was Craig Brewer Craig Brewer is also attached to doing uh, Coming to America the sequel uh, next this year I think it's, it comes out this uh, this December I think if I'm not mistaken and so it gives me a lot of confidence in that movie uh, because of what they did in this movie, collaborating together. And one of my uh, standout favorites in this movie is Wesley Snipes. And he he's such a, um, almost a scene stealer in everything he's in in this movie. And I think that they enjoyed, I should say, Craig Brewer and Eddie Murphy enjoyed Wesley Snipes so much in this movie that Wesley Snipes is also in the new Coming to America movie. So I think that this, this just had a great cast, a great story, and this underdog story of someone who's determined to uh, make his dreams come true. And it's just a fantastic movie. So that's why I had it at my number four for the, the 2019 year. Yeah. I mean, as I just kind of spoiled, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Shell, I know you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, not for not wanting to. Oh yeah. I, I, I definitely want to see it. I mean, in fact, I'm almost just tempted to play the other clip because the other clip is so good and it won't get to get played. <laughs> Because we haven't seen the movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm pulling clips of this movie, and I'm like, man, I got to see this. <laughs> this is Watch so tomorrow. good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Dolomite is my name. You're number four. Uh, Michelle, your number four film of the year. My number four, um, it, it's one of those movies that I remember when the trailer dropped for this, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to see this movie. Like, this looks... This looks very uh, intense, but also really honest, um, a brutal honesty, but um, also it looks like there's a beauty to it. And and I wasn't disappointed, and it's exactly what I was thinking it was, and, and that is Marriage Story. What's the venue to go and fuck someone 
You Elf? shouldn't be upset that I fucked her. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her. Do you love her? No, but she didn't hate me. You hated me. You hated me. You fucked somebody we worked with. You stopped having sex with me in the last year. I never cheated on you. That was cheating on me. But there's so much I could have done. I was a director in my 20s who came from nothing and was suddenly on the cover of fucking Time Out New York. I was hot shit and I wanted to fuck everybody and I didn't. And I loved you and I didn't want to lose you. But I'm in my 20s and I didn't want to lose that too and I kind of did. And you wanted so much, so fast. I didn't even want to get married. Fuck it. There's so much I didn't do. Oh, thanks for that. You're welcome. I can't believe I have to know you forever. Oh, you're fucking insane. And you're fucking winning. So yeah, that, that, that scene basically captures what I was saying. It's, um, it is a brutally honest look at a relationship that has come to a close. And in this instance, they were married. So it's a divorce and it's divorce when there's children involved, which makes it even more gut-wrenching and and more challenging uh, and more emotional and the brutal honesty that comes through is sometimes it's it's ugly and it's hard and it hurts um but there is it in the end i think people usually can come out on the other side of things in in a better way and this film that was written and directed by noah bombach he 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 brings it forward to that light and you know, the beauty is, is at the end of the day, no matter where their relationship is, they're both there for their child. And that's the number one thing for them. It's the one thing that's always at the forefront of their minds. And then, and that's what I think keeps them together as a, a partnership, um, even at, at, at the end of their marriage and, and watching this disillusion of the relationship and the partnership that they had as a marriage, but then moving forward in the next phase, I think it was... It was just beautifully done and it's you know not every scene was like the clip we just heard that was basically the pinnacle of their brutal honest you know at each other thing in the film but um it was a good build to that moment and then that scene was honestly it was it was it's, it's hard to watch but it's one of those things that if you've been in a, a breakup like that and you've been with the person that you've known and loved on such different levels that you have this kind of breakdown of your walls it, it it's it's an honest thing that is hard but i don't know it just it, i think it speaks to people in a way and i think it was just done really really well you know the thing about that movie is what i find interesting and that clip that you played david it, it does encapsulate a lot of what that uh that relationship is like and and the things that they've kept bottled up and it what what makes me think about when I see that scene or, or just think about it is how well that would work because it almost feels like a stage play in a mm -hmm. way where, you know, they're just doing these two actors are just acting against each other and just locked into that performance. And it's so strong. And you could I could see and envision a, a, a basically a play, you know, staged around that in in that conversation and doing some of the things on a more smaller scale scaled down version of it but it, it seems like it will work so well and one of the movies that a lot of people have compared it to which is kramer versus kramer mm. i do see those uh similarities but another movie that it sort of reminds me of in, in a certain sort of way is um not necessarily within the context of this uh 
breakup, but just in, in this relationship and, and, and the, the acting is uh, Barefoot in the Park. And I don't know if either of you have ever yeah. seen it, but mm. yeah, there's those strong um, ties and, and there's that scene when, you know, they're in their apartment and they're having this fight as well. And it's just strong performances really help uh, elevate a movie like this. And, and it's it's a really, really good movie. Yeah, it it it's just one of those movies. It just it it guts you, but at the same time, it's it still leaves you feeling okay in the end. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think Noah Baumbach literally could have written this for a play, and it, it would have just been just as amazing and powerful, if not more so. And mm-hmm. and the thing that really drives it all home is honestly the performance of Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. The two of them together are just they're electrifying on on camera together, and it's just. It's wonderful, and and I loved it. And um, that's on Netflix. Marriage Story, your number four. Yep, that is on Netflix. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. These streaming services are getting me this year. Yep, they are. Uh, all right, as I get into my number four, I look at my list. I feel like, and, and I'm not taking anything away from the six films I talked about already, but now I feel like at this top four for me, these are like kind of the level of films where I'm like, okay, these, these are basically my five-star films of the year. Like again, I, I obviously the other six films made my top 10 list. I think they're great movies, but there's something about these last four that are like, they're basically, they don't, nothing needs to change. They're perfect the way they are. They are five-star movies in my book. (laughs) These were the ones where it was like, I mean, I, I like the order I have them in. I am, I'm good with it. I could almost move them around within the four spots, but not really like they're, they're where they're supposed to be for me. Uh, with that, uh, my number four film of the year. My name's cliff. I'm Rick Dalton's stunt double. Stuntman. Yeah. You know, you're kind of pretty for a stuntman. That's what they tell me. So did I say something funny? Stuntman? Yeah, you kind of did. What's so funny? Look, man, I don't want any trouble. I'm just here to do a job. But you're laughing at what I'm saying. But I'm not saying anything funny. So what do you think is so funny? What I think is... You're a little man with a big mouth and a big chip. And I think you should be embarrassed to suggest you be anything more than a stain on the seat of Cassius Clay's trunks. Brother, you're the one with the big mouth. And I would really enjoy closing it, especially in front of all my friends. But my hands are registered as lethal weapons. That means we get into a fight, I accidentally kill you. I go to jail. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. And I think all that lethal weapon horse shit is just an excuse so you dancers never have to get in a real fight. Uh, yeah, once upon a time in Hollywood... Uh, from Quentin Tarantino, which I can tell Michelle's shocked that it's, I guess, down at number four. <laughs> you seem really surprised. I am because I know how much you enjoyed this film this year. I enjoy Quentin Tarantino in general. I don't want to come across like, oh, I just like this because I'm a fanboy. But uh, um, no, I I think this is a great movie. And uh, especially considering we're about to go to L.A. this coming week. It's yes. like even been more in my head it's like i almost want to watch the whole movie again before we go out just even though i know the the city well i lived there for a little while but uh yeah i don't know anyway uh 
it's it's a different Tarantino film. It is a you're just kind of hanging out with these characters in L.A. For like for a day or two, and and being if if you're not a fan of a Tarantino film, especially just the way he does dialogue and the way you know the, one of the things he does best is these scenes where you just have two characters talking about something, and most of this film is just kind of like that. And if that's not your thing, then you maybe not didn't like this. I have friends who recently on Facebook, like, like finally basically forced themselves to watch it and they hated every minute of it. Like (laughs) (laughs) they found it, found it really boring. And I mean, for a movie that I'm saying, I think is, you know, like I just said, it's in that top four films where I'm like, yeah, these are five star films are perfect way they are like at the same way, in the same way I can kind of understand that it's going to get reactions like that considering the pacing and the, the, the story arc of the film. But, uh, I, I, I loved it. And maybe that also has to do with the fact that I did live in LA for a while and it makes me feel nostalgic for living there and, and just being around the industry there like I don't know but I I think it's a fantastic film and I I highly recommend it so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood my number four film Uh, with that now we're at our top three we're in the final three final stretch Bobby this is always the fun part I love this part (laughs) I feel like we should almost try to predict what our number ones are at this point but I don't don't know how that would go (laughs) Mm. Ah, I have to think about that. I, I don't. It's so hard with you guys, just because uh, you know what you've seen. What so it, I, yeah, I you don't even know what we've all watched this week at this yeah. point. So right. yeah, that would be hard to um, do. But my number three is, has already been talked about, and <laughs> what a shocker! Um, my number three is Little Women, and I went into this movie really knowing nothing about the book, about the other movies. I, I, I just thought it was about a bunch of <laughs> girls. Like, I didn't know anything specific uh, of the story. Only thing that really made me go to watch it was uh, Greta Gerwig and, you know, Saoirse Ronan. I like all the other people. Emma Watson, Florence Pugh. Um just the, the the cast was such a, a good amount of people in it that I had respect for their work that I was like, all right, I mean, this is nothing that I would really be interested in in general on, on a level that just by the surface level of it and knowing what it's about, sort of like how you mentioned, David, but just enough talent was in it that I was like, well, let me go see it. And I think I saw it on Christmas Eve that thursday night or whatever that one whatever wednesday night yeah and it it obviously blew me away i thought the directing was good and i this is me not knowing that the way greta gerwig chose to tell the story is different than any of the past films or even the book so i just thought it was such a clever way that it was told and i mentioned this to you david that um to me, it looked like after I was watching the movie, I didn't catch on to it for a while. But at a certain point, it seemed to me that whenever they were in the past, there was like a, a cold sort of blue tinge to the uh, the, the look of the, the, the movie. And then when they were in the present, uh, there was a warm kind of uh, colorful look to it. 
And I had to end up going and investigating it. And sure enough, that is what she did was to differentiate the different time periods. She kind of uses some different filters. And um, I just thought that was such a clever way to uh, present that. But just in general, the, the story of these women, I thought, was so good in the way that they characterize each of them. And you can see how distinctly different they are from one another. And there's... Um, what I what I thought really worked about it was that I think one of the things that I had going into it and, and a hesitation towards it was that I just thought it would probably be this very sappy kind of love story thing. And that was essentially the, the main focus of it. But no, it, it really is a telling of these women and, and their lives and um, how they are and and get to be who they are as, as women as they grow up. And I just thought it was just done in such a nice way that didn't lean too heavy into being sappy or, or um, unbelievable in any sort of way. It was, it was just, a, a as you said, David, delightful film. Nice. I approve. Little Women, <laughs> it looks like the first film to be on all three of our lists so far. Yeah, so yeah. far, yeah, that's true. Uh, Little Women, your number three. Michelle, your number three film of the year. Uh, my number three, and um, <clears throat> I'll be honest, it's it's a it's a recent view, but my number three film is 1917. Um, Sam Mendes directed and wrote this story, and um, man, God, Sam, <laughs> this this guy kills me. He his his films are so good and the way he does things is just, it's just on a different level. Um, this film is shot in such a, a majestic way in such a brutal atmosphere. And I, I loved it from, from the first shot to the very end shot. It just captivated me. I couldn't take my eyes off of it and it's, it's just this, this story is just, it, it's interesting because, you know, this soldier, soldiers are just trying to deliver a message to save other soldiers' lives. And they have a very finite amount of time to do it. And they have to travel across um, German-occupied France and during World War One, And to, to see the links that they go to to, to save men that they don't know men that they, they will probably never meet other than the, the one character is his brother is, is in this infantry years in the, one of the two battalions. Um, it, it shows such a depth and heart of the human spirit and the links that will go to, to preserve preserve ourselves and each other and and the things that we believe are true and right and yeah it it just it got me and i'm kind of choking up but um no i think it, it was it's 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 that is storytelling to perfection it's something that's in, in essence you know the basis is so simple but it it gosh it was just it's such a a visual wonder to watch i thought and I think the acting is spectacular and the pacing I think is really well done. 
I feel like you're you're enthralled and you're you're tense and you're stressed out at the same times that they are. And then the moments they finally get a second to catch their breath and you feel a moment of relief. It's nope, got to get back to the mission. And you get right back up there in, in that tense moment, that tense time and that tense level of existing in the world. And uh, I just I, I was blown away by it. I thought it was really great. 1917 saw it last night. I saw number, last night. <laughs> saw it last night at your number three. Uh, it is also at my number three. That is my number three oh, film wow. of the year, 1917. Matchy, 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 matchy. Uh, I mean, you just talked about it. Uh, I'll add what I what I can, but uh, yeah, it's just technically watching it is is an is an amazing experience like masterful you know it's shot in a way that it's it is to feel like one continuous shot obviously technically that's impossible and that's not obviously what happens but it it includes a lot of very long long shots and just uh, again watching this movie technically it's just like imagining how this was done (laughs) on this scale is just it's hard to comprehend and it, but then just the story itself, it's an incredibly good story. I heard uh, somewhere else, somebody, and at the time I hadn't seen the movie yet. And so I was kind of, I was kind of curious kind of where he, where he's coming from. He was kind of, he was comparing the experience of watching it almost to like the experience of playing a video game, like oh, and yeah. cut scenes in a video game. But then as I was watching it, I totally understood it. And that's not taking anything away from the experience of this movie as a movie, but I, I get, I totally got it as we were watching it and experiencing the movie as they kept encountering these obstacles and stuff. It felt like I was in a game mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great story. It's, it's nice that it is told in a different way that it, this isn't just a conventional, like, Hey, here's a war story. And you know, it takes place over the course of a week or something. No, this is over the course of the two hour period that you're watching it. Like, well, kind of, um, basically a day. Yeah. But, uh, it's a fascinating, it's a great film. And, uh, if it's in theaters now and you should see it in a theater, it needs to be seen in a theater. Did did you hear that Sam Mendes basically built the sets around the two main actors and their pacing of how that they were walking, running, talking, everything was built around their pacings. Mm. I saw that in their interview where he was saying how he, they did that. And I was like, that's amazing to think about that. Right. And as you're watching the film, you're like, well, there's just no other way you could have done this film. There's right. literally no other way you could have done this because it's just, it's captured in such a way. Yeah. I mean to interrupt you. No, no, please. Uh, I, I, yeah, the film's great. See it in the movie theater. We saw it in a Dolby Cinema theater, which I'm, I'm super. It's the best way. I'm very happy that they were able to pull Star Wars out of there, so I could see this yeah. <laughs> in a yeah. Dolby Cinema screen. Um, yeah, it was it was great. 1917. That's my number three film of the year. Uh, to me, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. To me, that's not a movie you watch. It's almost a movie you just experience right. yeah. because of it. And then you maybe watch it the second time around because it's like you're just caught up in the the aspect of it of what they're doing and, and the the technical uh, wizardry that goes into it that is just fascinating as it unfolds. And you're just like, my goodness, how did they do this? And yeah. it's like 
one of the very few movies where you feel like it legit needs its own documentary movie. Just seeing oh, yeah. the making was of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, if there's a film coming up where I'll be like dying to get into extras on either the digital release or a Blu-ray, sure. I'm going to be fascinated to see like behind the scenes stuff on this. For sure. I mean, there's a little bit out there already in the internet already. Mm-hmm. I know there's one image going around I've seen on Twitter a lot of that shot of him running past all those soldiers that you see in the trailer. And it's showing kind of the, the shot from the actual film and it's like a wide shot of like the, the camera in front of him on a truck and... It's yeah, it's crazy. I'll be I can't wait to watch behind the scenes stuff for this. They built all those trenches, those miles and miles of trenches right. they built that. Yeah. It's just crazy. Anyways. Yeah, it's so amazing. All right. Number 2, Bobby, your number 2 film of 2019. Yeah, man. My number 2 film of 2019 is Uncut Gems. Check this out. I don't know. All right. So these are black Jews. All right. They're stranded in the middle of Ethiopia. It's deep. Stranded? Yeah. Look at They got nothing. They don't got cars. They don't got. And I'm watching this and I'm like, what the are these guys wearing? Look, it's on the Torah there. It's everywhere, right? Where do these guys get precious black opals? That's what that is. The black opal? I do my research. These guys live near the whale o mines, which primarily is red opal which aren't worth okay? Oh, okay but these, these mm. yeah, you can't get your hands on these things you understand really so look i say to myself how do i get a hold of these guys and i've managed to track these guys down i buy one from them Holy that is, <laughs> what is that that's right here that's the rock that's the rock that's the stone Holy i got no. look how this is wink yeah so uh man this movie just really knocked me off my feet. It, it's so crazy, this movie, because, uh, you know, Adam Sandler has done some dramatic acting in the past. And from the movies I've seen him in, and a, a dramatic uh, aspect has been good. But I felt like this movie, not only was he good in it, but everything that was going on within the movie is so frantic and, and, and high strung that you feel like when you're watching it, your your mind's gonna explode because of so many different things that are going on. It's like you just want to yell at the screen, like "Stop! Stop! Everyone, stop for a second, and and let's 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 walk this through, and and you talk now, and then you talk now." But it 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 does it with a purpose, and it's so um, well staged within this story. And it's basically this guy, Adam Sandler is playing this guy who is a jeweler in, in New York. And he is he owes some money to uh, it's one of his family members, actually. But he his family member is kind of uh, connected in a way. And so it's not like he's just le- lending him money. He, he owes this money back. And if he doesn't pay it back, then, you know, it's probably some breaking of some limbs going to happen. So. He, what he does is he places all these high stakes high stake uh, bets and he's trying to get this money back but everything that unfolds of how he's doing it and it's like he's robbing from Peter to pay Paul and it's just all these different scenarios are are bubbling up and and, and bubble and bubble and it's just like what's gonna happen and it keeps you on the edge of your seat as everything's happening and um Again, Adam Sandler is just fantastic in it, but 
that's why it made my number two because it's just so different than anything that I had seen, and I really, really dug it. Uncut Gems, your number two. Michelle, your number two film. Um, my number two film. <clears throat> my number two film for 2019 uh, is Joker. Did you really bring a gun to the children's hospital, Artie? What the fuck would you do that for? Is that part of your new act, Arthur? If your dancing doesn't do the trick, you're just going to shoot yourself? <laughs> Why don't you ask Randall about it? It was his gun. What? I still owe you for that, don't I? What the fuck are you talking about? Stop talking out of your ass, Art. <gasps> oh, no. I forgot to punch out. Um, yeah, this film is dark and it deals with some really, some really deep, uh, topics. And obviously one of the biggest ones, mental health is the big issue that you see kind of over it, but also, um, social injustices and just the aspect of, uh, the elitism and social classes and, um, the challenges that, that, that we, that everyone seems to face and, and more so than others, but it, it brings to light a lot of these issues and it, it voices it through, um, through Arthur. And, um, I don't know. I thought it was done extremely well. I was very skeptical of this film. Like you guys were, I, I figured, you know, if this is really well, the downside is, is that I feel like studios are going to jump on these and they're never going to capture this. This, this to me was lightning in a bottle what we got out of this film. It's something that we're not going to get ever again. And I feel like people are going to keep trying to, to do it and emulate it. And it's just never going to be the same. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is, is spectacular in this. He is, it, his portrayal of, of him is, it's gut wrenching and sad and brutal all at the same time. And, it's it's just really good. I, I I don't know. It's it's hard to to really go too much into it, but yeah, this the story from from beginning to end is great. I think the ending is spectacular, and I don't know. I really I really have no faults with this film at all. <laughs> I just I watched it and I was just like that was that was spectacular. It, it, it it's really something. It really drives home a message, and it really I don't know. It kind of it, it haunts you in a certain way for certain aspects, and oh, I really I'm really happy with this one. I'm, I'm I'm like you, David. Like when you get down to the, my last like top three films, mm -hmm. I'm that, there's I'm they they're great where they are. Like nothing, do not touch them. They're perfect. <laughs> right. Very happy. Joker, your number two. Yep. Uh, moving on to my number two. As we mediate your separation and eventual divorce, things can get quite contentious. So I like to begin with a note of positivity for the people I work with to remember why they got married in the first place. And so that as you come apart, you're reminded that this is a person you had great feeling for and maybe still do in many ways. I'll read mine. I like what I wrote. 
for it to really work, you both have to read. I'm not going to. Okay, um, I just think it's a shame that you guys aren't going to get to hear uh, the wonderful things you wrote about each other. She always says I can't write, but I think mine's pretty good. Nicole, maybe you'd change your mind once you heard Charlie's. I don't want to hear Charlie's. We promised to listen. That's right. That's the very first step in this process. Well, I think I'm going to go if you two are going to just sit around and suck each other's dicks. Uh, marriage Story, my number two. Um, wow. You sound disappointed. <laughs> no, it is not what I thought was going to be. I'm surprised it's on his list. I mean, I knew he enjoyed this movie, but I didn't think it was going to be on his list. I'm really surprised. Oh, really? Movie. Like, when we get to this point, I was like, I don't think he's going to, it's not going to happen. But wow, uh, I'm surprised and impressed. No, the, there was times it toyed with my number one spot. It Really? I think this movie is just incredibly good. <laughs> Like it's it's gut wrenching at times. I think it's hopeful at times. Uh, I think it's scary at times. Um, you know, it, it it's it's telling a story of this couple that is going through this divorce, but it's also it's coming at it from different ways, or it's telling different parts of the story in different ways. Like when it comes to the actual like legality of the divorce, that part I found the most frightening and scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a father and uh, just like it's it's almost like the worst case scenario, almost kind of situation of the idea of like fighting for custody. And it was just like hard to watch at times in that respect. And uh, but it it felt the most real out of any movie I saw this year. Like it is shot in a way, acted in a way, it is presented in a way that it just felt so real. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. The, as you mentioned before, Michelle, the performances from these two are just, they're, they're incredibly good. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I've heard that, uh, with that story about how Adam driver, like walked out of that fresh air interview because he doesn't like, I guess, hearing clips of himself and, you know, and I get that, that he's not the first actor to be that way, but it's just like, it's almost just unfortunate. Like, man, you're such a good actor that you, you have no like, idea. <laughs> do you have any idea how good you are? Like you should really watch yourself. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the, the movie's really good. Like I said, I think the fact that it just felt so real is what caught me the most but uh um yeah i marriage story was was something else for me and in a way i'm kind of was surprised as i put like started mentally putting my list together a while back of like oh man yeah marriage story is gonna be way out there like it was just i i was blown away by it it was a standout for you yeah it, it definitely was so yeah that's my number two uh, I guess that leaves our number one films. The time is here. The time is here. And Bobby, <laughs> your number one film of the year. Uh, are we not counting back? And... Yeah. Yeah. You want me to go through oh, your, yeah, go through yeah, your yeah. list again? Yeah. I thought we usually yeah, normally do, do that around. Uh, so yeah, going back, uh, your number 10 was Waves. Your number nine was Parasite. Number eight was Judy. Seven was Brittany Runs a Marathon. Uh, your number six was John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, number five was Ford versus Ferrari. Number four, Dolomite is my name. Number three, Little Women. Number two, Uncut Gems. Bobby Jackson, your number one film of 2019 is 
Well, my number one film, I mean, this is this makes me sad, Dave, because I feel like you don't know me at all. Because, oh, really? Yes, because my number one film of 2019 is Avengers Endgame. And you pull no clips for Avengers Endgame, <laughs> and you know that I am on this podcast? You had to have known that it would be somewhere in my list, even if you didn't know necessarily I, if it was I, number there one. There was even stuff in my own list I didn't pull from. It was more like... Uh, we're talking gonna... about the number one box office movie of all time, and it's me. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll pull so, one and put it in the edit. <laughs> there you go. So, yes, of course. Um, I had no comic book movies in my top ten this year, and it's usually at least two or three in there, it seems like, or, or really close to it. And um, this movie just, it absolutely is stunning to me what they were able to do in combining uh, 22 films, a decade worth of movies to culminate into this one movie. And it just pleased me on every fanboy level that I have of hearing certain lines being said, certain scenes being done, and then just to have such an emotional arc at the end with... Tony Stark and Iron Man. It's just incredible because a lot of things that they did in this movie, I wouldn't have predicted. And the the ramifications of it are still to be felt as we go forward in what uh, the MCU's phase four will be. So I think that just for them to stick the landing when it could have been so easy not to, especially in other franchises we've seen, uh, be the, be be on TV or in the theaters, not being able to stick the landing at least to a more, um, I guess, wider acceptance of that fact. It, it's a remarkable thing to do, and I just think that making it in a way that it's kind of like this sort of um, Back to the Future Part Two kind of as- aspect to it. It was such a clever way to go about doing it and and bringing other characters back and going back into scenes that you remember from other movies, but doing a slight tweak on them. It's just so clever. Everything about it was just great. And um, yeah, this it's a movie that, as David, you said, that you think you like Infinity Gauntlet a little bit better. And if I had to compare the two, it depends on what day you might ask me and I might have a different answer. I just think they're both really right there up there for me. And uh, this was undoubt, no no doubt about it, that this was going to be my number one of the year. And it, it stayed continuously from the time I saw it all the way until the end of the year. So that is my number one of 2019. Wow, number one. I feel like... Now that you're, you mentioned that line you just said about how it's been at your number one spot basically ever since you saw it. And then I started thinking, like, wait, I feel like there was, like, a movie or two that you've said, like, oh, that could definitely be in my top ten and that, are, that isn't on your list. Of course, I could be totally wrong because I don't know what that is. But, you start writing well, these down like, as the year goes on. There's one that comes to mind, and I feel like you said it about said this about this film, and it's not on your list. So maybe I'll, I'll, we'll get to that in a second. But. And I will say, and that's where it kind of came in at the beginning of my whole thing about 2019, is that I saw a lot of movies. And I wish we could have had a longer list of movies to do because it would pop up. And and I think I know what movie you're talking about. But, yeah, there's just so many other things that just punched me and and made that feel in my gut a a little bit more than some of the other movies that I thought were going to end up being in my top ten. 
All right, with that, Michelle, uh, going through your list again. Uh, number 10, you had Book Smart. Number nine was The King. Number eight, Little Women. Number seven, Midsommar. Number six, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, number five, Jojo Rabbit. Number four, Marriage Story. Number three, 1917. Number two, Joker. Michelle, your number one film of 2019 is? I think you probably know what it is. I, I, I the clip ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what David's number one is now. Oh, nice. all right. I've got it. But no, my number one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, Rick, about your hair. Oh, what about my hair? I want to go with a different hairstyle. Huh. What? Something more hippie-ish. You, well, you, 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 you want me to look like a hippie? Well, <laughs> think less hippie, more <coughs> hell's angel. Rum, rum, rum. Say, uh, Get me to Sam. Sam, uh, <coughs> you got me covered up in all this, uh, <coughs> this junk, uh, How's the audience going to know it's me? I hope they don't. Mm. I was preparing to talk, so I was taking some water. Um, <laughs> so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, every year we do these lists, and I think for me, my number one has always been the one film every year that always I leave that movie theater thinking, man, Gosh, that was amazing. I feel so good. That just spoke to me. That movie moved me. That movie just was everything I like movies to be. And it just, it's one of those things that like, it lights a fire inside of me in one way or another. And I, and I, I it really kind of makes me happy. And looking back at this year and, you know, I was even kind of tweaking my list just before we started this up. And I was like, man, I just don't feel like there was a movie. And also I was like, wait, it's this one movie that I've been holding off on my list and I haven't figured out where to place it. I'm like, this was the one movie I walked out of the movie theater thinking, yeah, that's what movie making's all about right there, kids. This is what I'm here for. This is what I like. And this film for me was it this year. Um, I think Quentin did a spectacular job and I admit this film is not for everyone. It's not. It's not even for all Tarantino fans, as we've learned. Um, the pacing of this is much different. The way the story unfolds is much different than his other stories in certain ways. But I think the essence of what he does is is it shines through all the time in the conversations that everyone's having with each other through the film. And, and obviously, at the very end of the film, the way it unfolds is very Tarantino. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, I loved this film. I mean, we even saw it twice in the same week in theater and, and we don't get to do that very often. Like for us to see a movie two times in theater, that movie has got to say something. And I, and, and it, it obviously did. And I, I'm so happy with this film and I thought the performances were spectacular. I think Brad Pitt is having a really good year. <laughs> um, it, 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 and honestly, Leonardo was really great. It, there, everybody was just it was awesome. It really, I don't know. It, it, it's. I think this is how storytelling should it, it is done when it's done well, in my opinion. And I know there's a lot of people that are gonna be like, Michelle, you were crazy that this film was so boring. You know, it was so slow. But for me, this is. This is the way it's done, kids. So I'm, I'm, I was very happy with this one. Once upon a time in Hollywood, your number mm -hmm. one. That was my number four. 
Uh, I totally know what your number one is now. You totally know. I do. It's been mentioned already. Mm-hmm. It has. <laughs> it has been mentioned once already. Um, all right. I guess going through my list, uh, number 10 for me was A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, number nine was Little Women. Number eight, Avengers Endgame. Uh, number seven, Knives Out. Number six, <laughs> Joker. Uh, number five, Midsommar. My number four was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, my number three was 1917. And number two, I had Marriage Story. Uh, my number one. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've had a foreign film in my number one spot. Uh, yeah, it's Parasite. Uh, that was at Bobby's number nine. Which kind of shocked me. I didn't expect it so low for you, I Bobby. Was, I thought I was, it was going to be higher. Uh, yeah. Parasite was, uh, I feel like it's Bon Joon-ho's masterpiece at this point. And I, he's definitely made some great films. But this was, like, out of the park good. Like, just, uh, and, and it also worked out well for me that I, I'm so happy I went into this movie basically blind. Like I had seen a poster and that was it. I never saw a trailer for this. So uh, it was an enjoyable experience watching a movie, having no idea like what's going to happen because I hadn't seen a trailer and I knew, oh, here's the, this scene's going to happen or at some point, like no clue. And I, that doesn't happen often for me. I think for any of us, we watch a lot of trailers. So that, that that's pretty rare. Um, but uh, it's just a it's a fun ride it uh it tells an interesting story i think about class warfare and i as you mentioned before bobby i can't recommend this movie enough if you are the the kind of person that maybe has a problem with reading subtitles i i think you need to get over it and watch this movie <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's it's incredibly good i wish i could could have pulled clips from this but as you mentioned michelle it wouldn't really work out well i think for our english listening english speaking audience right. pull, pulling clips from this film but uh yeah parasite is my number one film of the year Oh, there I am. Nice. Look at you. Nice. And that Very is, nice. And just 2019, kids, in the books. 2019, that's it. Uh, I guess uh, going into really quick, or not really quick, but uh, we'll kind of go through our honorable mentions. You mm-hmm. know, you want to say anything about them, but we won't dwell on them too long. But, Bobby, your honorable mentions for this year? I've, I have a feeling you have a few. <laughs> I've got a few. I, I did what would have essentially have been a top 20 list and the I had 10 honorable mentions that are in no particular order, but I'll just read them out. Um, us, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, Midsommar, honey boy, Jojo rabbit, knives out, Joker, the Irishman, once upon a time in Hollywood and 1917. Nice. Um, if we had a top 11, uh, in game would have, would have been 11 for me. I had a hard time actually trying to f- make myself make it into the 10 and I just couldn't quite let myself edge it in. And I know it's kind of weird to hear, but it, I, I, I think this movie was a great way to end the, the Marvel story that we're hearing, you know, with, right. with the Avengers. And, but for me, it wasn't, it, it wasn't quite my top 10 worthiness. Mm. So it's, it's definitely the number 11 as far as honorable mentions go. Um, but also, um, knives out toy story Four, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, and actually Shazam, I thought was a really great 
comic film this year. I was really impressed with that. Um, Ad Astra, and I feel like there was one or two more. I was just going to quickly jump on. I'm kind of surprised you have Knives Out on your honorable mentions list. I didn't think you were... I enjoyed that movie a lot. I, I have some... Like I said, I feel like it could have actually been better, but that's. I think I also am a big murder mystery whodunit kind of person mm. and for me i felt like it was slightly lacking on some things but overall i thought it was still pretty enjoyable um <clears throat> bobby would you yeah. say you know i know you said your list was in no particular order would you say right. us, us was your number 11 though or no 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 okay. no if i would if i were <laughs> to throw in a number 11 uh out of that list it would probably be um I don't know. It would be between Joker and 1917. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, uh, I don't have a lot of my honorable mention, to be honest. I feel like I'm forgetting some. I mean, you guys have mentioned some movies I definitely enjoyed, like Shazam. And uh, I liked Ad Astra. So I have some issues with it that definitely pulled it out of my way out of my top right. 10 and not really an honorable mention for me. Um if I had a number 11 and this was one I thought might make my top 10. And I, if I remember correctly, I think it would have been my first documentary in a, in a top 10 list, but it didn't oh. make it. And that's Apollo 11. That was really good. Um, that was a fat, a really good documentary. It's, uh, for those that don't know, it basically is really just kind of, you're almost it's like you're experiencing basically from the moments before launch through the mission to returning to earth and it's it does a really good job of making you feel like you are experiencing it in that time and kind of giving you a sense of what it was probably like to be on earth like observing yeah. this and watching this and some of the footage is just in, is incredible to see and I'm it's unfortunate I didn't see it in the movie theater but I mean <sighs> it, it looked great on TV but it was really good I, I wish I could have seen it in the movie theater uh yeah that it was really good so I'm Apollo sure. 11 would probably be my number 11 spot um you know the only other ones I really have on my honorable mention list is you mentioned the king you know that was on your list Michelle uh, from Netflix, uh, which I, I really enjoyed. I haven't seen it getting a lot, a ton of praise in this kind of top yeah. 10 lists era that we're in right now, this month of everyone making their lists. But Wait, what, what was the movie again? The, Sorry, the, David. The King. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed The King. Um, and the other one, and this is the movie I ended up having to watch twice, was The Lighthouse. I'm surprised that wasn't on <laughs> that your list, actually. Insane. Yeah, that movie is insane. But man, <laughs> I it, the night we watched it the first time for me, uh, I just, you know, being sick, my body was just gave out and I felt like I was kind of staying awake and I made it through the movie. But then I thought about the movie the next day and I'm like, nope, I I remember it, but not really like yeah. I've got to watch that again. And then the unfortunate thing is, is, yes, I did watch it again. But I so <laughs> we rented it on Apple TV and it gives you a 48 hour rental and it's like it's at hour 45, 46 and I'm at home with the kids and obviously I'm not going to watch it with them. So I put on a movie for them and I'm trying to watch it on my iPad with headphones while also like feeding them dinner and doing things. So I was watching it, but it's still I, I feel like I haven't still given it a good real watch but it is a great movie and uh, amazing performances by robert pattinson and willem dafoe mm -hmm. they're they're really good in it but uh 
a two-man show, pretty much. It is. Yeah, it's a play, basically. It, yeah, yeah, it is. It's one of those films, I, I can't recommend that so film nice. to everybody. It's just no, not no, everybody's no. thing. No, it's not definitely not. Um, so, what yeah. was Toy Story 4? Toy Story 4 was a, it was a really it was a solid, solid animated film. film for this year, for me. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start off by mentioning some of the stuff I didn't get to see that, you know, oh. could have possibly made my list. Uh, I didn't see The Irishman. And I'll be honest, as time has played on, it's like I want to see it, especially now that we're in award season. And it'll maybe probably happen. But I'll be honest, when it comes to my desire to see it, like at three and a half hours. My desire is not strong enough. It's not that strong to sit through a three and a half hour film. It's uh, it would it would maybe have to be a three and a half hour Tarantino film for me yeah, to yeah. through it like that just that's long and i know I, I would probably be a break it up kind of situation but i hate yeah, doing we, that we could do it like a what was that one guy who figured out how to do it as a three-part mini uh, yeah i basically. saw a couple lists of like as even a four-part miniseries um so the irishman i haven't seen um i wanted to see the souvenir i never saw that i wanted to watch um i lost my body on netflix mm. uh dolomite is my name also on netflix um waves is on my list and judy i haven't seen any of those movies yeah i think for me it was yeah, waves judy um gosh what did you just mention the other one i wanted to see i did want to see dark waters i thought that one looked really good um there was a movie called her smell that i wanted to see yeah. that looked really good mm. and then i'm really curious to watch uh portrait of a lady on fire i've seen that one come up on a lot of people's top tens and that's I'm, nowhere to be found that is, that i was is, looking all over for that, that is definitely the, the one movie yeah it's it's funny of all the movies that get like these tiny limited releases in order to be eligible for award season, but they don't get wide until later. That one is like, I thought I'd heard February, but I guess you're here yeah. in April. No, you're, you're right. It's February. Yeah. It's February. But still but yeah. even February, you normally exactly. it's like mid January, like 1917, yeah. like 1917, you know, yeah. just dropped wide and portrait of a lady on fire. It seems to be the one common film that shows up on a ton of lists that, and the it's thing that's really crazy tough is to find. It's been out everywhere else in the world for a while, except in the United States. Mm. And it's like, come on. But everybody's talking about it. And I'm really curious to see that film. Yeah. It's, it's getting a lot of really good talk about it. I'd like to see Uncut Gems. It's the other one I would like to see. Oh, yeah. I meant to put that on my list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then for me, my last one is it's a film called A Hidden Life. That one looked really good. And I guess Bobby, probably yours was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Because really. <laughs> I looked high and low for that movie. I didn't see it anywhere. I don't even think I saw it in the limited release in L.A. at any point in time. Because I don't know when exactly it would have been playing. Maybe at some time during, you know, uh, Christmas time between then and now or something. Or maybe not. But I just never. it just never popped up anywhere that I saw to even have a chance to see it. So... It, it escaped me and I wanted to see it specifically because like you said, it's been popping up on lists. So I wanted to at least get a chance to give it a try and see if it could make my top 10, but I didn't even get a chance to, to act on that. Well, anything else that you had that you wanted to see Bobby? Um, yeah, there was one other movie I think, uh, and I had an opportunity to see it, um, this weekend, but it just got busy. It's, uh, let me see if I can remember the name of it. I want to say it's called Pain and Glory. 
Oh with yeah, Pedro. Antonio Banderas. Oh yeah, yeah. That one's been on a few lists too. That one is is intriguing. Yeah. So it, that's about it, I think. Then no, we normally talk about like greatest disappointments for the year. Yeah, I was about to go into then then my list of <laughs> of movies for this, me. You have a list that uh, Maybe Bobby like, and I should go first. Well, like I oh, <laughs> well, like I talked about at the beginning of this episode where it was like this felt like a year for me of just movies that I'm like, I just don't get some of the high, high claim. And, and like I also said, a lot of these movies I think are good movies, but I just don't think are that good. There's only really one on here that I think is like a head scratcher where I'm just like, it's not terrible, but I really don't understand where when I see it come up on top 10 lists, like blows me away. And that's hustlers. Like, I just, I don't I agree, get it. I agree. I, I think it's a movie that it, it it's actually trying too hard to be uh, more indie than it really is. And it's kind of derivative of a lot of the stuff that we've seen mm-hmm. come from the post, like a big short film mm-hmm. era. And I just, I don't get it. And I don't think it's terrible. And yeah, Jennifer Lopez is good in it, but. That's a that's that's maybe my worst of the list. The other I think ones are the most highly overrated film. Yeah, to me, I think it would be the high, most mm. most overrated movie of the year, possibly. Uh, other movies like I think Booksmart is a good film, but it mm. something about it. I think because it did feel just so derivative of Superbad is my biggest thing that I bump on with that movie. It's just I, I I was even pulling clips and watching the opening clip of her in picking them up, and I'm just like this is. It just feels like, oh, let's make a few miles super bad. And I, yeah. I, I hate, and I just, that's the thing I hate about it. It, but it's got a lot of great moments and overall it is a good film. Yeah. But I think that's the thing that just, I don't know. I just jo- you the wrong way. Yeah. Jojo rabbit, I think is a good movie to be very clear. I think it's a good movie, but it definitely was not way up there for me. I feel like for a lot of people and you know, a few years I think for the you, the, the trailers just ruined the hell out of that film. Yeah. I think, really that, I think that's it was. a big part of it. Um, uh, Spider-Man far from home. I did not care for, <laughs> like, uh, and uh, yeah, considering how much I loved, 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 loved homecoming. I did not care for far from home. Um, and then a couple more that I think are, are, well, one of them is definitely a good movie, The Farewell. I think it's a good movie, but I guess that's just one where I get it if it's a movie that just speaks to you and you connect with, and I guess I just didn't have that experience. And I think it's a good film, and anyone who loves it, I can't begrudge you for that. It just it just didn't, I guess, speak to me in the way it seems to be speaking to other people. I agree. It was. It's a cute film. It's a, it's a sweet story. Um, I think it's a little overhyped in its praises. And then uh, Us is the last one kind of on my list where that was a borderline. Like it, I think it's overall good. Definitely it's no get out in my opinion. Um, but there's things I like about it. Like as I mentioned, loving visual directors. I love the look of the film. I love the way it's shot. I love a lot of the performances especially uh, Lupita Nyong'o is incredible in it um, as are a lot of other actors, but eh, I don't know. I, I guess it just didn't quite do it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle, how about you? Any I mean, your list is, <coughs> you and I have pretty similar 
like I was jumping in on those with your opinions. Um, I think for me, <coughs> excuse me, like my biggest letdown honestly this year was, and it's not a bad film, but it just kind of let me down was um, Captain Marvel. Oh, really? I enjoy that film. But as far as did I think you just my, re-watch, re- and I rewatched re-watched it. it like yesterday. I did because I wanted to see what like like if maybe my opinion had changed. And it was I'm watching him going. It's a good film. It's a good story. But as far as I think Marvel with their first female led story, mm, yeah. it was a letdown. And I hate to compare it to Wonder Woman, but honestly, like. They missed the mark hard on that film, like so bad. And it, it bums me out because I think that it's a story that, you know, is intriguing. And I really, I really like her a lot. And, but yeah, they made it, it gets, it gets kind of campy almost in a way. I, it just kind of bums me. Like it just could have been better. It could have been so much better. And I feel like Marvel really just kind of crapped the bed on that one. Not bad. It just could have been a million times better. I think better. The, my biggest thing with that one is, and it's hard to say because I do love her a lot. It's the Brie Larson performance in it. Like, it's for me. It's not just that. There's it, a lot. I'm of not other saying, stuff. It, but I think that's the biggest thing. I for me, it's. I, I almost see like what she was doing there. I think it's almost on. It's a performance. It's not like a bad acting performance. It's like a. It's on purpose the way she's acting in it but I don't think I like it. I don't, I don't know. I don't think the director did a good job with this film from front to end. And I don't think they directed her and her performance in a very good way. Hmm. I don't think they, I've seen her. We've obviously seen her. She can act. She's a very oh, good yeah. actress. That's, that's why I say it's tough to say that. She's an incredibly right. good actress. And so all I can think is the director just led her down a route that just doesn't work for me. Right. Anyways. Now, so that was one of my biggest like disappointments. Like my most like, okay, I'm really looking forward to this film. And wow, this is really just not that good movie that film <coughs> excuse me um so but yeah i think you 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 basically your list is my list are are fairly similar not all obviously because i have things on my top 10 list that you didn't like that well that just kind of missed the mark for you i think right right but um, yeah those hustlers i think was way overhyped and I think The Farewell was a sweet movie, but it just kind of didn't do anything for me. Like you said, it didn't speak to me on my level, and I think it might have been overhyped a little bit too much. Right. Uh, Bobby, any disappointments this year? Uh, well, yeah, but right slightly before I get to my disappointments, there's yeah. two movies I want to just give a quick shout-out to. Even though they weren't in my top ten, um, I really enjoyed and, and think people should go see one is uh, Just Mercy that just came out this past weekend with Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. Really good movie uh, based on a true story. Uh, Jamie Foxx is doing really great work in terms of uh, being a dramatic actor in that in that movie. Really moving, powerful. And another one that I saw, which was on um, Netflix and surprisingly liked it more than I thought I would going into it. And in fact, I... It, didn't even think I was going to watch it just because it just didn't look like it would be anything I'd enjoy. And, and that was uh, The Two Popes. Uh, that was um, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins and uh, I forget the other actor's name, but it was, it was good. I, I really liked it. Nice. And then, yeah, any disappointments this year? 
So my disappointments, um, not too many, uh, honestly, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, I, but, and I based that basically on going into it. I thought I was going to enjoy these movies a lot more than I, than I did coming out on it. Because um, there's other movies you go into and, and, and it's like if, if it's disappointing, it's not like you were all that hyped to see it in the first place. But these other movies, I think I was hyped enough to go see them. And one is uh, It Chapter 2. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. after the first one, it was such a good one that the second one, it's not bad. It's just uh, not as good as the first part of it and right. didn't quite hold up as much. Um, another one on my list is uh, Gemini Man. And, you know, I, I, I think part, part of the fascination of that was the, the technology that was going into it that – was going to look a certain sort of way, but also it's a Will Smith movie. And I think I tend to go into those movies with him, especially if it's an action movie, with a little bit of expectation. And I think this one just didn't hold up visual effects aside from what they were doing with that, just as a, as a story and a movie and an action movie, I, I just think that it, it faltered. So that was definitely a disappointment. And, um, Honestly, I think the other movie, well, yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, Jumanji, The Next Level. I really loved that first movie a lot. It was just a lot of fun and so unique in its premise and what it was doing. And the second movie is a fine follow-up, but I don't know. I thought it could have gone in a better direction in, in terms of what it was doing. Uh, it was a little bit more of the same, but I don't necessarily mind that in a movie. It's just that it didn't live up to anything that the first movie did with, with some exceptions. It's again, it's not a bad movie. It's just one that sort of was disappointing. And then the last one on my list uh, of disappointing is a movie I actually enjoyed, but I just have so many problems with it. And uh, that's star Wars rise of Skywalker. Oh, well, yeah, I can't oh, say that is the big, I feel like it's almost like it's, I didn't even mention it. I feel like it's just so disappointing. Yeah, that's where I am. So I almost feel like, wow, how did I not put that <laughs> on my list? How did I not but say that? Maybe that's why. I don't know. Like, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. It's super obvious. No. It was so obvious, Bobby. We almost forgot about it. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I guess, and then that's the the reason why um, I get it. And but for me, because I still enjoyed it, and that's why it makes the list in that way. Because, or at least it it made me remember it, is because I enjoyed it. But I know I could have enjoyed it so much more. If they had, um, I don't know, either had another pass through on the script or, or just had some other people to look at it, to, to question certain things and leaps of faith and logic and stuff that goes on in it. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously going into any Star Wars movie, your hope springs eternal that it's going to be good. But uh, for me, while The Last Jedi didn't work for other reasons it's still a good movie in in the, in the way that it is done. Uh, whereas this movie, um, as a movie, it, it lacks and, and it doesn't do some of the things that you would want to see. But the things that I enjoyed were the, the, the camaraderie and the relationships and, and just some of the overall uh, Star Wars fun. And some of the ways that I, the reasons why I enjoyed um, Solo more so, more so than most people did is just there was this fun aspect to it. And, and some of that was present in Rise of Skywalker, but I can't just overlook the problems that it had. So that's why it did end up being a, a disappointment overall. Yeah, it's 
for me it's uh, yeah maybe i maybe i forgot to put on my list because i'm just so so disappointed in it <laughs> and <laughs> it, it actively makes the rest of the disney made trilogy worse in a mm-hmm. way that it may sound silly but it makes me just want to dismiss all of it like now like that's how disappointed mm-hmm. i am in this final film I that it it makes me want to step back from just Star Wars and I'm I'm glad that they are from a film standpoint. I hope they take a good long break to really figure out what they're doing, but it yeah, that, that's a rough one for me. Um uh so yeah, then I was going to kind of wrap things up by asking uh what were if there's anything you're really looking forward to in 2020 and I'll start off by saying uh, I mean I think it mostly comes down there's a few things, but to two films, uh, Tenet from uh, Christopher Nolan, which I believe comes out in July, and Dune from Denis Villeneuve. Uh, Uh That's a film that I'm like, I I don't even want, I'm so looking forward to just seeing what it's going to look like that I really want to experience that for the first time in a, just a trailer. Like, I really hope there's not going to be these first look shots from entertainment weekly. If they are have if they're out there, I don't want to see them. <laughs> I just want to see the trailer and just have an idea of like, how is, how is this going to look? I cannot wait to see how this movie looks like, uh, and then there's other films like last night in Soho from Edgar Wright, uh, being an Edgar Wright lover. I, I can't wait to see that. Um, we've got Eternals coming this year, so that I hope that's good. Um, and there's some other stuff that'll be interesting to see, like I, I mean, West Side Story in December, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, be curious to see how that is. But uh, how about you guys? Anything you're really looking forward to, Bobby? Uh, you actually named both of mine. Honestly, there I haven't really sat down and looked at some of these things that are going to be coming out. Um, and then in this year, so some things I know that I'm looking forward to, I don't know specifically if they're out this year. Like, again, I mentioned John Wick. I don't know if that's this year or next year, but um, that's what I'm looking forward to. But the two that you mentioned that I am looking forward to, uh, number one with a bullet is Tenet, um, just because of what that trailer looked like and knowing that it's Christopher Nolan and, and to expect the unexpected kind of thing is is what I feel like with that movie. And it, it excites me because it's something different and it's new IP and, and just, yeah, I'm just all on board for that. And then the, the other movie is um, definitely the, um, the Eternals. Uh, it, it's to me, yes, we have the Black Widow movie coming out in May, but that, is take that takes place after civil war before and before infinity war obviously so you don't really know exactly everything we're going to get in that you know i I think to a certain extent what you're going to get in that movie to a certain extent but i am looking forward to it but with eternals it's sort of like a clean slate resetting the button and now they get to start that build again. And I don't know if it necessarily starts with that movie, but to me it seems like it would because this is our present day movie, I guess, as opposed to black widow. And so it, it has me uh, curious and, and fascinated to see how it all starts again. And, 
and how do they build up anticipation and excitement for a movie that is, for all intents and purposes, the same way that um, Guardians of the Galaxy was when that first came out. It was like, well, what is this? What 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 are we doing here? I don't know any of these characters, so um, how, how are you going to bring me into it? So that's the excitement that I look forward to in that one. And then I, I guess now that I think about it, that my number three would probably be uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, and yeah, looking forward one. to seeing that one. So hoping Patty Jenkins, uh, fingers crossed, can pull that one off and, and make a, an exciting movie for a, a sequel for that first one because that first one's really really good. And then also the next Bond film. I forgot to mention that No Time to Die. Mm. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Michelle, anything you're looking forward to? Um, I mean, I'm gonna have to say Dune because of Denis Villeneuve like I love that guy (laughs) (laughs) he's such a good filmmaker um I literally just want to see it because of because of him honestly otherwise I really have no interest in this movie as crazy as that sounds (laughs) but it doesn't sound crazy honestly because I know this man puts out such spectacular movies that I've loved I I know that this is this is gonna be good it's gotta be good right right Right. Has to be. I just hope it's also financially a success for him, like considering Blade Runner, which his Blade Runner sequel, which I loved, it could have done a lot better at the box office than it did. And I'm glad that this is getting made. But if this also is not kind of a failure, I I worry what that means for him because he is such a great filmmaker. No, he's spectacular. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Michelle. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think he's the type of director that would end up in director's jail, even if this movie doesn't do well. I think they'll just match him up to more appropriate things that instead of trying to resurrect IP that was maybe more of a, you know, a cult following as opposed to big numbers that it did in the past maybe you'll just go on to make more artur driven movies and and do some stuff that he wants to do that can still speak to his voice and um yeah I, there's no way no one's putting him in, in director's jail they'll just say well we we got to stop trying to dig up these older films that maybe there's only a certain amount of audience for right um other things i'm looking forward to um <clears throat> Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 mm. that trailer has me super stoked I'm very excited for this film um, the let's see uh, coming out soon actually Emma I'm looking forward to seeing that Yeah, that looks really good I'm very excited for that one um, and then I can't wait to see what Wes Anderson has in store with us for the French Dispatch uh, which actually has two people that we really love Sorce Ronan and Timothy Chalamet in it Mm, yeah. how, can, how can we go wrong? I feel like this is a this is this is this is really awesome here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna definitely gonna be seeing the Bond movie. I'm a Bond person. You know, it's an interesting year that we have ahead of us. I think. Um, yeah, I would say those are my four front runners right now for the for 2020. I'll be curious to see kind of the whole year unfolds. Okay. Oh, Quiet Place too. Oh, yeah. I would throw that on my list for sure. For sure, I would throw that on my list. Yeah, was my number one two years ago. I'm curious about In the Heights as well. Oh, that's what I was going to say, In the Heights. Sorry, yes. Yeah. 
I think that that looks like it comes out in June. I mean, who? Why wouldn't I be excited for In the Heights? Come on. I mean, yeah. Why would you ever be excited about that? Fangirl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess with that, do you guys have anything else to wrap up? Any any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I do want to say one quick thing is that um, you mentioned, and I think maybe Michelle said it as well, that this past year definitely seemed to highlight uh, Florence Pugh. Um, she was in a couple of the movies that were in the top 10 and yeah. also another one that I liked that she was in. I didn't mention it, but, uh, fighting with my family, uh, was really good as well. It was sort of based on her, um, uh, a WWE wrestler. And that was good. And, um, also I feel like if not last year, then maybe for sure, uh, within this year, it's also Timothy Chalamet's uh, mm-hmm. year. The, the two of them seem to be the up-and-comers, and, comers and uh, they continue to do fabulous work, and I look forward to everything that they will have in this year and, and beyond. Yeah. I said he'll be in a Wes Anderson film this year. And in Dune. And in Dune, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, God, like, how can you go wrong, man? And then I randomly think about, too, going back to stuff we're looking forward to, but it's not coming out in 2020, but I, I assume we'll get at least somewhat of a look at uh, the Batman sometime this year. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you know, other than the random shot of him sitting on a motorcycle that we've already seen. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll just, I'll be curious to see what the suit looks like and what that, the aesthetic of that movie is going to be. I, yeah. I'll be curious if if there's anything even shown in San Diego this summer from it or not. Like, oh, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, but yeah, with that, unless you guys have anything else, I think that's going to do it for our uh, top ten show. Um, uh, as always, we'd love to hear back from everyone listening and watching. You can email us at feedback at flickereffect.com with your questions and comments. Uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at flicker underscore effect and we are also on youtube at youtube.com forward slash flicker effect um yeah it's always fun doing the show i always look forward to it uh it's unfortunate that yasha couldn't make it so uh, i'm hoping on our next episode he'll be able to go through his list and i know he wanted to be here but um yeah Hopefully uh, next time he'll be able to go through his list. Um, we probably will not. Well, we will not be doing a show next weekend. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle and I will not be here at the studio. We'll be actually in L.A. So we'll probably see uh, Bobby and Yasha. We'll, we'll see, you, see guys. you guys. We yep, won't get to record definitely. an episode while we're there, <laughs> yeah. but but we'll see you in person. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then we'll be back here in the studio and recording another episode the following weekend. So look for that. Uh, with that, I'm David Lott. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Michelle Hillard. Thanks for listening.